Here's something that we all know is true. We all need freedom. There's nobody here in this message who is surprised by the fact that we all have issues. Come on, am I talking to any real people tonight? My American friends would say, everybody's got junk in the trunk. Everybody's got issues in their life. We all need freedom. Often, we do live our lives bound. We're bound by a past hurt. We're bound by deceit in our minds. We're bound by insecurity, by debilitating lives, lies in our minds. The struggle to find freedom is real and it consumes so much of our lives. Being bound means for us that it limits our relationships, that it robs us of peace, enslaves us to cycles of sin and derails our destiny. Whenever in our lives we find fear or resentment or self-hatred or jealousy or envy or bitterness or selfish ambition or pride or offenses or unforgiveness or lust or impurity, these are all signs for us that we are not wholly free. And what's amazing for us to discover about Jesus is that in John 8, 32, Jesus declared, you will know the truth and the truth is gonna set you free. And so that we wouldn't doubt it, he echoed it in Romans, sorry, John chapter eight and verse 36, where he said, you, if, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, Jesus wanted to make it so clear, freedom is possible. You can be set free. And when Jesus sets you free, you aren't just free a little bit, that you will be free indeed. That means for us guys, two things. Number one, freedom is possible. And number two, we need to be free. Why do we need freedom? Why in our lives do we need to be set free? And the answer is, that we live in a broken and a fallen world. When God created Adam and Eve, He placed them in what we call the Garden of Eden, what the Bible calls the Garden of Eden. And before sin came into our world, what we see in the lives of Adam and Eve in the Garden is the only time in history where the will of God was consistently done. The only time in history when the will of God was consistently done. The world that we live in has sin in it. And because it has sin in it, God's will is not done most of the time. I talk to so many people who are blaming God for things that are happening in their life that God never wanted to happen and are outside of His will. People ask all the time, if God is loving, then why do I have these problems in my life? Where is God or where was God in my life when X, Y, Z happened? Friend, you need to know, stuff happens all the time in this world that God doesn't wanna happen. But whenever you're going through pain or difficulty or the hurt is coming into your world, you've gotta know if you're hurting, God is hurting. If you're feeling pain, God is pained. It's important that we realize this because the cross shines over us to declare in our lives that God cares deeply for the pain that is in our lives. 
And secondly, that God loves us so much that he got personally involved in curing what ails us. Before Adam and Eve chose to sin, they were in relationship with God, an unbroken, unfettered relationship with God, and their most important needs were met by God. There was no barrier between them and Him, no sin in the way. They enjoyed a relationship with God that met all of their fundamental needs. There was no separation. So Adam and Eve never experienced rejection. They lived only with the knowledge that they were accepted and loved. There was no brokenness. So therefore they felt no shame ever. They were unafraid. They were confident. They enjoyed real intimate relationships with both God and with one another. And it's important for you and I to remember that what we see in the lives of Adam and Eve in the garden is still what God wants for you and me today. God still wants you to enjoy intimate, meaningful relationships that last. Can somebody say amen to that? God still wants us to have assurity and confidence about the world that is around us. God still wants for peace to rule in our hearts and that we would live free from fear. God still wants us to have a clear identity of who we are and of what God has purposed for us to do. That is God's will, that our relationships would be whole, that our spirits would be free, that our relationships would be free from all the bitterness and petty jealousies and rubbish. Can we say crap? That's still God's will. That's God's heart for you and for me. There's a lot of rubbish that we face in this world, but God desires that we would be free. The Bible teaches us that when Adam and Eve were in the garden, that there were two significant trees. Suddenly, these shrubs on the stage begin to make sense. Two significant trees. My wife is like, that was terrible. I have very little voice left. I have deep and I have ridiculously high. There was the tree of life, which is described for us in Genesis chapter three and verse 22. And there is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is described for us in Genesis chapter two, verses 16 to 17. The tree of life, gets a mention when Adam and Eve are in the garden, and then it kind of just, the theme of life, just kind of drops from the narrative of Scripture until Jesus appeared. And from the time that Jesus came into this world, very, very quickly, immediately, life becomes a central theme of the rest of God's Word. In fact, when you read John's Gospel, John only makes it in four verses. John chapter one and verse four, where John says about Jesus, in him was life. And that life was like the light of men. In John chapter 10, Jesus said about himself, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. So we have two trees. We have the tree of life. Now this tree speaks to us of grace of forgiveness, of acceptance, of freedom, of eternity, of the goodness of God. This tree is all about the life 
power, love, freedom, hope, joy that emanates from who our God is. And it's interesting to note that when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God gave them no limits over how much of the tree of life they were able to eat. It was carte blanche, buffet style, load your plate up, have as much of the tree of life as you can possibly imagine. You can't get enough of the life of God. But then we also have another tree and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said in John, uh, sorry, in Genesis chapter two, verse 17, the day you eat of that tree, you're going to die. So we've got one tree and it's life to you. And we've got another tree and it's death to you. Now we understand that the devil tempted Adam and Eve. And in Genesis three, verse five, the devil tried to make this tree enticing to Adam and Eve. This is what he said. He said, God knows that when you eat of this tree, you won't die. He said, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Super important. He said two things. You can be like God and you can be autonomous from God. A lot of young people in the service, I need you to write this down because it'll help you to get to heaven, okay? All bondage has its roots in independence from God. I'm gonna say it so your thumbs can type it. All bondage has its roots in independence from God. If you want freedom in your life, then know this. Surrendering to God is the beginning of freedom. I need somebody to have a praise break if you believe that that is true. All bondage has its roots in independence from God. From the moment that Adam and Eve chose independence from God's command, they became spiritually dead. When they were alive, they were connected to God and the needs, the deepest needs of their life were being met by God, but now they can no longer get their needs met by Him. There was a barrier. And because of this, God said, the, the, God said to them, you, the devil said, sorry, you will know good and evil. And the devil was right about that. He said, from this moment forward, you are gonna have knowledge or understanding. You're gonna discover new ways to have the needs of your life met. But what the devil didn't tell Adam and Eve is that having their eyes opened meant they would be influenced by things or desire things that were not life to them. So before they ate, before their eyes were opened, Adam and Eve received all they needed from God and His life. So they're just connecting with God and their hearts are full of love, identity, peace, clarity, hope, contentment, joy. Isn't that the wish list of everybody hearing this message tonight? To have love, identity, peace, clarity. Come on, anybody else out there just going, man, I just love to get rid of all the confusion, hope, contentment, like actually to enjoy the life that you're living without being given a Ferrari. That's what God promises, joy. But with the separation of sin came a barrier between us and what we need and as a result of it came the beginning of our craving. We are now a generation that craves. 
We are filled with the knowledge of good and evil and we are never truly satisfied. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? I mean, look at it. We got a, we got a desire for success, but we've got to be just a little bit more successful than everybody else. We've got to have wealth, but we've got to have just a little bit more. We crave gossip. We crave the fillings of our flesh. We are a generation filled with lust and pornography and bitterness and how many movies come out with the theme of taking revenge. We're all trying to fix what is wrong with us by going after the cravings that come from the knowledge of good and evil. When Adam and Eve chose disobedience and independence from God, sin and separation from God entered into our world. And the desire for independence from God led to bondage in their lives and in ours. If you get a chance, go home tonight and read Genesis chapter three and chapter four. And in two chapters, see the immediate impact of sin and separation from God on the lives of Adam and Eve. I mean, just check it out. I'm gonna give you the highlights. You can go home and read it. In two chapters, we see immediately the impacts of being separated from God. We've got shame. Adam and Eve don't even like themselves anymore. Don't like the way they look anymore. Don't have any courage anymore. They're filled with fear. They lack confidence. Emotional instability is found straight away. Cain killed his brother because of his unstable emotions and we've been struggling with emotional instability ever since. Toxic emotions, reluctance to own our own problems. Adam blamed Eve for the sin. Eve blamed the serpent. And we've been blaming everybody and everything for the problems in our lives ever since. Hello? Inner turmoil, to live without peace. Bitterness is right there in Genesis 3. Sexual impurity. Before the fall, Adam and Eve were both naked, nutty buddies for Jesus, and they had no shame. But the moment that sin came into their lives, it perverted their view of their sexuality and of their bodies. It distorted them and they had sexual impurity. Now here's the thing, God made us free. But we are now born into a sinful world and because of that, we are born bound by sin. So we struggle with stuff like this, confused identity, compulsive behavior, deceptive thoughts, debilitating fears, toxic emotions, destructive desires, unresolved hurts. These are common to us all. Inner battles we all fight, struggles that prevent us from being free. But God doesn't want His people to live bound. He doesn't want you living with thoughts filled with pain emotions that are filled with terminal, turmoil, or a mind that is dominated by lust. Man, check out Galatians chapter six. This is an amazing passage of scripture. And Galatians chapter six, that shows us the contrast between a life that is bound and a life that is free. In verse 19, it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Check out this bondage. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, 
wild parties and other sins like these. You're doing things that are hurting you because you cannot find freedom. And then in verse 22, it says, but this is what the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the crown jewel, self-control. When God jumps into your life, He doesn't leave you bound by quarreling and, and envy and bitterness and sexual impurity. He brings freedom, He brings love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, and the ability to actually rein these crazy emotions in and to be the Lord of my life rather than the servant of my own desires. Wow, the desires are powerful. Now here's the thing, the evidence of God's work maturing and freeing us is when the fruits of who God is become the characteristics of who we are. That's what maturity, spiritual maturity is. That's what freedom is. Freedom is when our lives are filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I am free when my thoughts are at peace. I am free when I no longer doubt my significance and value. When lust is no longer the consuming drive of my thoughts. When I can let go of who has hurt me. When my past no longer controls me. When I am at peace with my place in the world. When we have that, then we are free. Now, I promise you there's a lot of people here in this message tonight and this is what they're asking. John, really, really, can we actually be free? Is this freedom genuinely possible? Because a lot of people here in this, maybe for years of their life, have been fighting battles, trying to overcome things and circling back time and time again, feeling defeat and failure, maybe feeling dirty, maybe feeling just low, held down in your life. And tonight you're asking, can this ever change? I wanna say two things to you. If that's you, listen up real close. Number one, I honor you for staying on the journey. I honor you for caring enough about God and His will that you've been trying to see change come into your life. You're not the worst person here. You're the champion and we love you and we salute you and we applaud you. But the second thing I want you to know tonight is yes, freedom is possible. In reality, we are never normally willing participants in our own captivity, right? We just can't seem to get free. But it's important tonight that we know this, freedom is possible. I said freedom is possible. Hamilton, I said freedom is possible. Dunedin, I said freedom is possible. And if we're gonna know freedom in our lives, it all comes back to the same two trees. The tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There are two ways that Adam and Eve saw the world. Before they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the way they saw the world after they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And check out the difference. Before they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they had healthy emotions. 
confidence in life, freedom from destructive desires. They were at peace with themselves and others. They had a clear sense of identity. Afterward, they were plagued by negative emotions. They had fear in the face of life's challenges, a destructive self-image, turmoil within them and in their relationships with other people, and no clear identity in life. So if you and I are gonna find freedom, I need you to know tonight that the answer is in the tree of life. Jesus said, John said about Jesus, in him was life and that life was the light of men. Because without Jesus, we're just groping in the dark, confused about where we should go, dominated and controlled by desires, plagued by fears, at the whim of events and storms that derail and define us. But there is hope. Along came Jesus. He brought light. He brought life. He brought freedom. And if you're grateful for Jesus, could you take three seconds and give Him a little bit of praise in this place tonight? John 10, 10. It's shining over you tonight. I have come, Jesus said, that you may have Come on, company, let me hear you. That you may have this life, this word life. I've come that you may have life is a Greek word zoe. And it's life that can only be found in the context of relation. You can't know the life of God without imbibing it relationally. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. The life is in Jesus. He said, you'll know the truth and the truth is gonna set you free. So he's the life, he's also the way and the truth. And he said, when the truth hits your life, it sets you free. Now he said about knowing truth, you will know the truth. And that's the Greek word genozo, which means to have intimate, connection and relation with. We find the life and the freedom of God through a relationship with Jesus who is our life. Who is our freedom? If you believe that, why don't you praise Him along with the front row in this auditorium. In John 17, three, Jesus talked to us about life and this is what He said. It's coming up on the screen. Read this, it's important. Now this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The way to life is Jesus. Eternal life is Jesus. Relationship with God is freedom in our lives. If you believe it, shout an amen out there. See, in the garden, once Adam and Eve chose to eat of the knowledge of the tree of, of, the, the, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Bible says God said, I gotta get them out of the garden because if they eat of the tree of life, they are now sinful, but they're bringing life into them and this can't be. So he said, I've gotta get you out of the garden and keep you away from this. But now through Jesus, the perfect sacrifice has been given up for the sin that came into our lives as the result of Adam and Eve's independence from God. And now because of Jesus, 
We are not separated from God, but we're welcomed into relationship with God. Are you excited? In Jesus, our sin is forgiven. In Jesus, our purpose is clear. In Jesus, our redemption is here. What we need is in Jesus. Again, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Okay, let's break that down. He said, I am the way. In Jesus, your direction in life becomes clear. He said, I am the truth. And in Jesus, identity becomes certain. He said, I am the life. In Jesus, emotions become whole. The freedom we need is in Jesus. Jesus has all we need to be free from all that plagues us. See, here's the reality. You've got to to lean on this. Everyone, listen, listen, listen. The reason why our attempts at freedom so often do not work is because we keep returning to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to help with what only the tree of life can. So this is what happens. People are like, I've got to stop looking at porn. So they pump themselves up and they say, I'll never view it. I'll never view it. I'll never click. I'll never do it. I'll never view it. And then they have a difficult day, experience rejection, emotionally low, not feeling good, and bam, they go back again. Because they're trying to get the problem solved by thinking to themselves, I can help myself. I can help myself. I'm going to pump myself up. Because I am so fearful, other people are so confident, I've just got to become more like them. So our attempts to be free are subscriptions to self-help formulas. We're trying for personal improvement. We present to the world around us a curated image of what we want people to see. And often our private reality is one of failure, pain, heartache, shame. But guess what? The key to your freedom is to realize that your freedom is not about you. Your freedom is about Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross, He yielded His body to death as a perfect sacrifice. He gave Himself willingly for us. And now we aren't living in our sin anymore. From the time that Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we have all known that there is sin in us because there is sin in us. And because of this sin, we live in our lives naturally with guilt, shame, failure, inadequacy, hurt, rejection, and fear. These emotions, I don't have to preach about them. They are deeply ingrained in our understanding of who we are. Just nod your head if you're saying, yeah, I get you, John, I feel you. And every time we sin, fail, experience rejection, or feel afraid, our understanding of our identity is confirmed. So the way that we're gonna get free is not by keep coming back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We gotta keep coming back to Jesus. Jesus died for our sin. He washed you clean. And now God looks at you And regardless of what you did today, yesterday, last month, or last year, God calls you righteous. God accepts you. God wipes out your record. God welcomes you home. Jesus calls us brothers and sisters. 
mind-blowing emoji. Jesus calls us brothers and sisters. And the way that God sees you is a radical departure from how you see you. So if we are gonna find the freedom that we want, we're gonna have to find what it is to come back to Jesus. Because the Bible now calls you more than a conqueror through Him who loves us. The Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So the Bible says you're a conqueror, that you're righteous, an overcomer, and that you're free. But in all of them, it's all through Jesus. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus. You're the righteousness of God in Jesus. You're an overcomer by the blood of Jesus. You're free because Jesus set you free. How about we have three seconds and just praise God. Let's go for five seconds. Let's thank Jesus for what He has done for us. Okay, grab a seat. I gotta, I gotta keep moving. I'm gonna get this done on time, I promise you. If all your life you've been conditioned to see yourself outside of a relationship with God, and now the acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus has entered your life, the truth is God has changed you. But it's too easy to continue your life with an old understanding of who you are, even though there is now a new you. There's a new you, but you can easily still live your life with the old you. Colossians 1.21 talks about the old you, and it says you were once far away from God, you were His enemy, you were separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. Rejection, pain, we could go through this. This is Heavy stuff, not good. But in verse 20 of Colossians 1, this is what the Bible says. God's made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. You're not an enemy of God, you're a friend of God. You're not rejected by Him, you're accepted. We've gotta keep coming back to Jesus. See, here's the thing. If you've lived your entire life, right, entire life until you came to the service tonight in abject poverty, and I'm not talking about cute New Zealand poverty where you wish you had more sneakers. I'm talking about if you literally for years of your life didn't know whether you were gonna eat tomorrow or the day after, abject poverty. And I came to you and I said, I'm gonna give you $100 million. I'm giving it to you right now. Here is a card you have access to $100 million. How many people know I just changed your life? But let me tell you what that one moment doesn't change. It doesn't change the lifetime of habits that have become part of who you are, the anxiety you feel around food security, the culture you have in your life and amongst your friends, the emotion of fear that has been attached to the scarcity of your life. You may now have $100 million, but you're gonna have to go through a journey of relearning what this newfound wealth means for you in every circumstance and situation of your life. You're gonna have to rewire your understanding. You're gonna have to change your expectation. And it's the same for us when we find Jesus. We once were alienated. 
We once were separated. We once were enemies of God. We once were bound by sin. But when we find Jesus, we're not that anymore. The problem with many Christians is that they're not saved enough. They're not a Christian enough. They've been given the perfect record of Jesus, have acceptance to the throne of grace, invited freely to come before God in our hour of need. But in most situations, we're still trying to figure everything out on our own. And that's why we struggle to be free. So the first step to freedom is we've gotta replace the lie with the truth. Because every negative thing you've ever believed about yourself was maybe once valid at one point in your journey. But if you know Jesus, my friend, that's not you anymore. The gospel tells us that there was a problem, we couldn't solve it, and that's why Jesus came. And now our problem is solved through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So we gotta keep coming back to Jesus. Keep coming back to what He did. Keep coming back to what He says about us. Keep coming back to what He has declared is true about you and me. We're gonna keep coming back to Jesus in worship, in thanksgiving. Oh, love you, God. Grateful, God. But we also have to come back to Him in acceptance. We have to honor Jesus by believing that what He did for us on the cross gives us the right to be who He has called us to be. We have to honor Him by saying, there was an old me, but I am now a new person because of Jesus. Whether I feel like it or not, whether I perform like it or not, what I do doesn't change who I am. Because it's not about my knowledge, it's about His life. And this is what He says about me. And what He says about me is always true for me. If you believe that, could you give God about three seconds? Five, let's go seven. Seven seconds of praise. Three, four, five, six, seven. Thank God for Jesus. Listen to me. A prince or a princess is always a prince or a princess no matter what they feel and no matter what they do. You're always a prince. You're always a princess. Whether you feel like it or whether you act like it, your behavior doesn't change who you are. But here's the truth about a prince or a princess, knowing who they are changes what they feel and changes what they do. Knowing who you are in Christ is the greatest key to changing you. I wanna say it again so you can write it down with your thumbs. Knowing who you are in Christ is the greatest key to changing you. Why? Because you will never behave consistently in a way that is inconsistent with what you believe to be true about you. I'll say it again. You will never behave consistently in a way that is inconsistent with what you believe to be true about you. So the way that we find our freedom is to come back to the tree of life and to say, who am I? Who are you? Well, let me tell you tonight who you are. First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may now declare the praises of Him who called you out of that darkness and into His wonderful light. 
Let's give Jesus about 10 seconds of praise. Come on, Dunedin, come on, Christchurch, come on, Carpenty, come on, Hamilton, and come on, Wellington. Give Jesus some praise. See, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing. Ben, come and join me. Ben, come and join me. You grab a seat. In life, either one of two things is gonna happen. Either A, your behavior will inform your identity, or your identity will inform your behavior. So when you're living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your behavior is informing your identity. What you did decides how you believe you are. What you faced in life decides who you are. Your behavior is informing your identity, okay? But when we get to the tree of life, who I am informs what I do. Identity informs behavior because what I do doesn't change who I am. If God said I'm a holy people, I'm a holy people, whether I feel like it or not, whether I behave like it or not, what I do doesn't change who I am. Oh, if you get it, give God a little bit of praise in this auditorium. One of the greatest ways you can show your love for God, one of the greatest ways you can show your love for God <laughs> is to accept as truth that Jesus went to the cross to make you who He wants you to be despite how you feel. The cross is powerful enough. Your emotions might lie, but Jesus never does. You might have failed, you might have been hurt, you might have been abused, you might have suffered all kinds of craziness, but I'm here to tell you that in Jesus, you are loved, you are accepted, you are righteous, you are holy, you are free, you are a conqueror, you are alive, and Jesus is in your life. If you believe it, stand to your feet and give God some praise. Come on, give God some praise. Okay, okay, okay. So here's your homework for this week. We're gonna go on a nine-week journey. We're gonna get into the details, people. We're gonna get, let it all hang out. We're gonna break some unforgiveness. We're gonna get free from some lust. We're gonna have a transformation in our lives. It's gonna be amazing. But here's your homework for week one. I don't care what's wrong with you. I, don't, I do care, but I'm saying week one, it's not our focus to look at our struggles, our inadequacies, our prisons, our darkness. All I want you to do this week is I want you to rehearse who you are. I want you to rehearse who you are. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I want you to tell the devil. I want you to tell yourself. I want you in worship to tell Jesus, you said I'm free, so I'm free. You said I'm righteous, so I'm righteous. You said I'm loved, so it doesn't matter who's hurt me, left me, neglected me, abused me. I am loved, accepted, chosen, favored, called, destined. I'm the head and not the tail above only and not the knees. I'm more than a conqueror through Him who loved me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I will never be defeated. I'm led in triumphal procession. The blood of Jesus has broken every curse. I'm free because of Jesus. Whack five people around you and tell them, rehearse who you are. Rehearse who you are. Rehearse who you are. Whoa. See, friend, friend, friend. Stop agreeing with the devil when he tells you who you are. 
say shut up devil when he tries to tell you that you're a failure, a sinner, rejected, a victim, inadequate, a slave to sin. Say get behind me Satan and start agreeing with God who says that you are called, you are chosen, you are highly valued, you are without fault, you are royal, you are loved, you are more than a conqueror. If you're grateful for Jesus, give Him some praise.